is helping. I love that. I love your cap. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I, I dig one. that. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, feel bad. Like, I don't know if it's my husband or my coffee, but it kind of applies to both. So absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, and. In, <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Hey, we're like that. Just so you know, we're like all over the place yes. all the time. And yes. we totally dig just like organic conversations. Yes. So I love that we're already laughing only yes. a few minutes in. You're good. This this means you're good. <laughs> there we go. So Oh, don't you love them? I promise you guys are going to love our next guest as much as I did. They were so much fun. Their names are Clinton and Charity Munoz, and I will uh, be introducing them in a short minute. But before, I wanted to jump into a quick little segment called Something I'm Loving Lately. Something I'm Loving Lately. This was not my idea. My girl, Hillary Rushford of the You're Welcome podcast does this on her show. And it has helped me, A, to find out a lot of things that I like for myself. Um, and B, get, helps me to get to know her a little bit more. So this is something I want I wanted for you guys. So something I'm loving lately is my cup, my coffee mug. It says, I love my hot husband on it. And that's what we were laughing at in the beginning of the show because they were talking and I just happened to take a sip of my coffee and it said, I love my hot husband. And um, that's what started all the the hysterics and the jokes and um, <laughs> until we got into the show. But the show is serious, I promise. Uh, so that is this week's guests. And they are Clinton and Charity Munoz. They've created a ministry called Restored to More, which was birthed from their own story of dealing with healing and restoration after walking through a really trying time in their marriage. Restored to More was created to help couples rebuild intimacy after infidelity and help women heal from betrayal trauma. They have a podcast called Restore to More, a YouTube channel with weekly vlogs, sharing on topics, tips, workshops, coaching, and are in the process of co-authoring their first book. They've been married for seven years and have three little boys all under the age of four. So you know this couple is busy. I'm so excited to have them on and hopefully they'll be able to do a training for us in our Facebook group. So let's jump in. Let's hear their story and jump into the show. Welcome to the Grace Fields Wife Podcast. My name is Beatrice Vargas, and my mission is to improve the quality of marriages by helping us learn to be fueled with grace. Are you sitting in a marriage that feels empty? Are you struggling to reignite the passion and love you once shared with your husband? Are you at a crossroads of leaving and repair, but you're constantly reminded of your promise to God to stay true? Or maybe things haven't even gotten that bad yet. Maybe you don't argue that often, but since you barely connect anymore, you've started to give up hope of ever being happily married again. You might have contemplated or even fantasized about what it would be like to leave. Maybe you're telling yourself that you're just sticking it out for the kids. If this is you, I've been there. My story is your story. I want to help you heal and reignite your marriage while still believing in the promise God gave you. I want you to stay with me, learn from me, internalize the grace, guidance, and interviews so that you can become the grace Field wife. You can learn more and connect with me directly on Instagram at the grace Field wife. Now let's dig in to today's show. So our lane, I'm going to jump in. Our lane is, is how to build, how to build trust and intimacy in the restoration process. So I would say for me, yes, I do work with guys on sexual addiction, but my what I love to really talk about, and I feel like my passion is really in how to come alongside their wife after they start going through the process of recovery and restoration. So it's really like, hey, you know, you're going to go probably see a therapist. You're probably going to get into a program. You're probably going to have um, different things that you do as maybe counseling or whatnot, but you also need somebody who is married to help you understand that went through that in a marriage, how to, how to talk to your wife and how to create the right boundaries of what to say and what not to say. And how, and we, we actually believe that you can build an amazing amount of trust in the restoration process. If you do it the right way, if you do it the wrong way, it actually can hurt your relationship, which is a bad thing. But then after a couple gets a little bit of traction as well, there are ways to build intimacy even after infidelity. And we think the amount of intimacy that a couple can have after infidelity is, is really amazing because they, they've probably gotten even more raw and real 
in some sense than other couples who haven't gone through infidelity. So we really believe that a marriage can thrive and flourish after infidelity takes place. And that's kind of what I do on our side is I talk to the guys about, mm-hmm. yes, getting, make sure they have a, they have a plan and they have, they're working a plan to, to eradicate sexual addiction from their life and finding intimacy with other men, digging up the roots, realizing their relationship with Jesus. And on top of that is how do they work with their wife at the same time so that they use that stage of life to actually build trust, intimacy, not, not create more separation on top of the addiction already. Yeah. I love that. First of all, I have to say you are my first guy on the show. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Woo, pressure's on. Yes. Male guest on my show. But I also, um, I do have a couple of male listeners that that's I, awesome. that they're like, I love your podcast. I'm like, really cool. That's awesome. So that is pretty awesome. I'm excited to hear. It sounds to me like you coach the husband because I, I coach the wife. Yes. Yeah, and I feel like on, on my side, I, I, there's that space where the wife needs help kind of on her own. For those of us yeah. wives oh, who are yeah. like doing oh, it sure. on our own. The husband is really not even interested in the marriage almost. But yeah. you coach the husband. I love that. And then Charity, how about you? Tell me. He Can I just ask something real quick? Sorry, yeah, I'm going to yeah, cut you off. No, no, One thing too, Beatrice, that I love is I feel like sometimes because I'm I'm the guy in the relationship, what we plan to do in our next workshop is I'm going to talk to the women and Charity will talk to the men because mm-hmm. they'll be able to ask me questions. They probably want to ask their husbands, but they can't. And so mm-hmm. the perspective I get to bring to the table as a husband that's gone through it is, hey, how, how what can you expect from your from the guy during that season as well? So as much as I co- I don't coach the women ever. Oh my goodness, get me out of get me get me out of that hot seat, man! I will never pretend to coach a woman going through betrayal. That's a joke, but I can I can give sometimes insights to what their husband's going through that yeah. maybe their husband can't really share because he's going through it. So yeah. take it away. Yeah, love that. Um, yeah. So then where I come in is we both believe that there, there's lots of programs for men, but there's not as many programs out there for women. There are some. Um, and so we don't feel like we have all the answers, know everything, but we just want to be that safe couple that another couple can look to and be like, Hey, you know, go to them and talk to them because they have a similar story. And we just want to be that beacon of hope for them saying like, Hey, we made it through and we just, yeah. we want, we want to come alongside them and just help them and answer questions for them because it is such a trial for us. It was such a trial and error. Like I had no idea what my role was as a wife whose husband was addicted, you yeah. know, in the Bible, there's like submit and there's, you know, respect and but there is not a, a rule book for like, okay, after your husband has had infidelity, like, let me tell you now how to come alongside him and be that supportive wife. And so I feel like I just made up the rule book. And so there were so many things that we went through. Um, I started being his accountability partner, which in the end does not work out. Um, and so I feel like what we add is we can come alongside a couple on their restoration process and just share with them what our journey looked like and be able to answer any questions um, that they may be confused on or wondering if it's just normal because their situation is just, it it feels crazy. You feel crazy. And so if we can normalize any of the crazy, it just feels good. And it lets them know that they're not alone. And so we love educating couples on what that journey is going to look like and what their roles are. Because I remember just sitting there and be like, what is my role in this? Mm. How do I play a part in this? Um, because I, d- I did play a part, but I just didn't know what that part was. So we love being there for them and answering those questions, just coming alongside them and being that beacon of hope and a safe person that they can just talk to, that we can just listen to. Wow. I love that. Because you you want to you want to help as the wife. You want to do yeah. something, but you can't change him. You can't, you know, force him. You can't. And then you're just like, God, what am I supposed to do? How am yeah. I supposed to help? How am I supposed to be? And yes. I love what you're saying. I'm, I'm in, I feel like we're so aligned in different ways because mm-hmm. that's, that's why I started the podcast because mm-hmm. I was in a place of feeling like I've been there, done that, had all mm-hmm. the, you yeah. know, had all the things happen. And mm-hmm. uh, everything that I found was for, um, you know, was couples that were yeah. teaching 
very few, if none, I really found were couples like yourself who were couples who were doing it together, who had come from something together. And so, and I didn't find anything for the wife. And so I was like, okay, so there's a void for, for what, you know, for what the needs are out there. So I really love that, you know, we're all coming along and able to collaborate in a way where you have your niche and there is, you know, your people who, who need you guys both. And we joke, my husband, I'm like, you know, one day it would be nice if you come on the podcast with me. He's like, oh, that's your thing. You know, he's not <laughs> into, you know, <laughs> he's like, oh, that's public, you know, yeah. my, my face, my voice. I don't know about that. So I just love what you guys are doing. And sidebar, I think it be, might be fun and you can, we can decide at the end of this episode, but I think it might be fun if I invite you into the Facebook group and we do a uh, teaching like Ooh, live teaching, you know, yeah. where I could be like, look, guys, I've brought in some speakers for you. They are here to answer all your questions. Mm-hmm. And I think that could be a lot of fun. So mm-hmm. moving on, yeah. tell <laughs> me your, tell me your story. What, what brought you guys to this journey? Yeah. So, um, I'll even backtrack before we were engaged. Um, we were dating and, um, we had this heart to heart. He's like, I need to have a conversation with you. And I was like, yeah, before he, before I want to court you, I want to tell you a little bit of my background. And I was like, okay. And so he kind of just shared his journey of how pornography was a struggle for him and, um, and how he lost his virginity, um, to a prostitute on a missions trip. And he's like, but I want to reassure you that that was in the past. Like that is nowhere where I'm at today. And, um, and he was like crying and weeping. And he's like, I just want you to know that so that, you know, you know, all of me before we, you know, move forward. And so I um, was like, well, Hey, we're, we all got our junk. We all have, you know, we're all messed up. So um, I've, I've done stuff that in my background that I'm not proud of. And so I know who you are today and I see who God's called you to. And I, and I just, I believe that is who you are. And so I'm not going to put, you know, any judgment on you. And at the same time, I wasn't being fully honest because I was only showing her what was before, but wasn't right now. I definitely didn't want to lose her. She was not only the prettiest girl I'd ever dated, but she was fantastic. I mean, I always joked that I had a list of everything I wanted in a wife. And then God, like he showed me my my list was pretty weak sauce compared to charity. So (laughs) he brought in charity. I just crumpled that list up. I was like, oh my gosh, man. This is gold. So I just didn't want to lose that. And my fear was if I told her that I was still actively struggling with pornography masturbation, that she would for sure walk out. So I didn't, didn't give the whole honest truth. What you did see you loved and what you didn't see, you didn't, we weren't able to address. So, yeah. So then we got married and, um, it, it was like a little bit of a struggle here and there. He would always come to me and just like, be like, Hey, I'm struggling. You know, I need you to put a lock on the computer or something, but that was kind of the extent. It was just like, Hey, I'm struggling, but I'm going to get help or I'm putting up this block. So I'm like, okay, didn't really think anything twice. Um, I had really, I think our society does a really good job at uh, justifying that men just all men look at pornography and it's justifiable. And so in my head, I'm like, okay, well, all guys do it. So I'm not really going to question it. And as long as you're putting up stuff and trying to get, you know, better then. Okay. So. And at the same time, I think the church also says it's every man's struggle. Mm -hmm. It's every man's battle. So it's never really going to go away. And so there was a justifiable act in my mind too, that, you know, all men kind of struggle with this. So I know that I need to get better and I need to like make it sure it happens less and less, but in reality, every guy struggles. So, you know, I don't really, I had no idea the damage it was causing my wife or would cause her in the future internally and how much it would it potentially would almost rot, like rip our family apart. No idea that was coming in the future for sure. Yeah. It was just one empty promise after another, just saying like, Hey, this is the last time. And I, in the beginning, I believed him, but the more you hear that, it's just like, okay, I don't believe you anymore. So it was just kind of this, okay. And, um, and so our relationship kind of just became like very surface level, I would say not going deep and more so just having sex to have sex. It became like a task, um, for me and my, like, I was just like, well, I'd rather us have sex than you look at porn. And I know that guys are horny. So let's just, you know, um, this is my job as a wife is to serve you. Worst part about that is that most people don't understand how, if somebody's struggling with sex addiction, they have an intimacy disorder. So having sex and being sexual actually increases the, uh, the addiction and the need for the acting out. So after we would have sex, I would actually use pornography and other means more uh, after we were engaging in an in a intimacy um, type of act- activity. So 
that was that's kind of crazy to think about because people don't understand that you would never you would never give a person with a gambling addiction a million dollars and think it was going to solve their addiction mm-hmm. so but we were treating the issue of pornography and sexual bondage with sex and that's just like that's just you think about common sense but we didn't even know that so we were really really digging, digging a deeper hole for what was going on wow yeah. that's so insightful because i i would have reacted the same way charity or mm-hmm. like okay let's take it let's handle this you know like we yep. can fix it and then you get into like trying to fix things in your own strength but i never thought about it from that perspective again because no one talks about that yep. right mm-hmm. like, people yep. don't talk about these things no one wants to talk yep. about their struggles and their addictions and people all this is hidden you know they don't you you know you you said yourself you didn't want to tell charity about your active struggles so much because you didn't want to lose her so if you won't tell your spouse the person who's closest to you why are you telling anybody else so i thought that was a really good insight you know what's crazy just to add that no man insert anytime we love it it's like (laughs) conversation hopefully not a monologue here so i'm actually some space for you to add things in and cut us off you know what what was crazy is that i always get emotional time with this part but um i was i was saved at a young age and i've always loved jesus and this whole time throughout my life i knew that god wanted me to live without addiction in my life i knew that god promised freedom and he wanted to help me find freedom. I just, I knew that. But in the midst of that, I had no idea how to break free. I had no idea how to love my wife the way I wanted to love her. I had no idea how to live out these values of being an awesome husband and being the hero to my kids. And and so in that desperate need, I actually ran to about 15 different men in the church from the age of 10 to 25. And Unfortunately, those men, even though they were well-meaning, a lot of them were shaming. And a lot of them said, I need to read the Bible more. A lot of them said, I need to pray more. I need to memorize scripture more. Um, Maybe I wasn't saved. And a few of them questioned my salvation. And that sent me down a rabbit trail of trying. And so after, I'm going to jump ahead in our story. After two years of Charity finding out pornography again, and her saying, this is the final straw, we went to church, a church leader and we went to mentors in the church that were man, manly mentors, if you will. And that didn't help Beatrice. I mean, literally, they just said the same things. And so that that began an ingrained idea and belief that I'm unfixable. I'm unhealable. God doesn't, obviously, God can heal. We know that from the Bible, but God doesn't want to heal me. So I'm so messed up. I'm too far gone. And that just en- enabled me to bury it deeper. And it just made me choose. I'm just going to, I'm just going to become a better hider. I'm going to become better at manipulating, better at hiding because even the people in the church don't want to fix me. So just what you said, it wasn't even that I didn't want to reach out. I was, I was reaching out. I was screaming at the top of my lungs. Somebody come save me. And the church wasn't equipped. The people I met weren't equipped. The men weren't equipped. The couples weren't equipped. And that became a big reason for why we do what we do today for sure. But I just want to add that in there. And it's it's so funny because part of it is that as humans, we were not meant to save you. Totally. We were already saved. Mm-hmm. And so all we were supposed to do, all they were supposed to do was show you love and grace, yeah. which so often we don't know how to do. And so, mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that's the, the reason for both of our missions is to how do you show love and grace to somebody in a place where they're struggling without shaming them and making them think that they need to do more works to be saved. God's already done that job. And so they just need something out. You know what I mean? It's like, they don't need read the Bible more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying it, you know? And so, Oh man, as you were saying, as you were telling that part of the story, I'm getting teary eyed just because I could just, Oh man, yeah. that's so heartbreaking. But then at the same time, I think there's so much hope in that yeah. because once we, once we hear that, once we hear a, someone's story like that saying like, I was reaching out and I was trying to get help and this is what I was getting back from the church. Well, then you know what? It's our job. It's yeah. our job as people who are leading ministry and content creators sure. and people who are out there and trying to get God's word of love and yeah. grace out there to say, yeah you know what, this is how we could have behaved differently. So that's going to be, I'm going to cut you off a little bit from your story. And I'm going to ask you this question. Mm-hmm. What would you have said? Like what, what would have been an appropriate way mm-hmm. to respond 
to someone at that time for yeah, any of us, right? Great question. It's a good question. You know, I, you, you, you said it, and I'm just going to emphasize what you said because you nailed it. You know, a part of compassion, I just was learning about this. If you break down the word compassion, it means to be with you in the midst of suffering. I didn't really need a man to fix me. I didn't need somebody to come alongside me and give me a how-to book, which I was given many times. Here's a book, kid. I needed somebody to say, hey, I don't have all the answers, but I want to be with you. I want to walk alongside of you. I want to, I want to be your partner in this. I want to, I want to, I want to, because we can't, our wives are not called in my opinion to be that person. They can be a support. They can be there for us. They can be praying for us. They can be encouraging us. They, they can, they can be uplifting and not belittling. They can try their best to be understanding. But I really believe that what men need is other men who understand how to be intimate and not in a sexual way, but to, Hey, I want you to know me and I want to know you. And I'm willing to admit that I struggle with that as well. And let me, let me, even if I don't, let me walk this journey with you. Let me come alongside you. And, and instead I just feel that our, and this is true for a lot of places in culture is that our pain makes other people uncomfortable and people want to fix you. So they can just put a stamp on you and go, okay, I'm glad I was used to fix them and you're good because it's, it is a burden. And it, the Bible says that carry each other's burdens. We don't, they're not always called to fix each other, just to sit with you and to be with you. The ministry of presence is what I needed Beatrice. And I think if more men were willing to say, Hey man, like maybe I don't struggle to your extent. Maybe I don't get it. Maybe I do get it. Maybe I'm in the same boat, but regardless of their own circumstance, I want to sit with you in this. I want to be with you for in the journey of restoration. And I just want to add one thing to that, yeah. but it's, it's not pretending that you need to know all the answers yeah. because I think that did more damage to him than yeah. not. There were church leaders. And so they felt the pressure and the obligation to give him something and what they gave him hurt him and damaged him more because it was a lack of education. You know, somebody who has the flu, you don't give, you know, cold medicine or, you know, a different type of medicine, um, for the sickness, you need to give proper, um, medicine and healing to that wound. If you want to see it actually be healed, you can't just put a bandaid on it. If it is like gushing out with blood, you know, it needs surgical surgery, but a lot of people just want to put band-aids on it. And then they think, okay, you're good. You're fixed. But a lot of people aren't willing to actually go deep and like do the surgical the surgery to figure out what's going on to get the proper healing and to have proper recovery. Wow. I love that because it's, it's so true. Even when I think of like, you know, spending time having like a coaching session with a wife, it's not like I have all the answers, you know, and I say on the podcast all the time, I don't have all the answers guys, but it is that place of having somebody who's outside your immediate family outside of your, you know, where, where they're going to feel judged, you know, whereas I'm sure charity, if you would have went to your mom or if you have a sister or whatever at the time and say, Oh, you know, he's struggling with this. They would have gotten, you know, they, you guys very easily are going to get into like a husband bashing place, mm-hmm. yeah. which is not where you, it's the opposite of what you need. Cause it's going to be really easy for you to yes. fall into that. And so yeah. sometimes, you know, and, and, and for you, it's like you, you don't want to be in a place where they're going to, where you're going to feel condemned and you're going to feel judged. You just want somebody who's going to sit with you, hold the space and say, it's okay. You know, I've either been there, we've got this, we're going to walk through it together and have an accountability partner. And so I just, I love that about what you said. I I agree. I think it's so true. So continue with your story. Sorry, I cut you off with my question. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Yes, continue. So two years into our relationship, we call it D-Day, which was Discovery Day. Um, I saw his phone go off before I was about to leave for work. I picked it up. A Twitter account came up with his his name on it, flooded with porn. And I was just like, there's no way this is him. He, I, To my knowledge, he didn't have any social media accounts. I didn't even know he knew how to do that stuff. So I was like mind blown. I was like, who is this person? What is this? And um, I ran to the room and he was still sleeping. And uh, he's lucky I grabbed a pillow, but I grabbed a pillow and I started slamming him. And I'm like, what is going on? What is this? Like, is this you? This cannot be you. And then I just like fell to the floor and started crying and weeping and I had to go to work. And so I went to work, but then I started going into detective mode. And so I started looking on my phone emails because we had connected email and I saw a bunch of um, just things that had happened um, with massage, massage parlors and strip clubs that he was admitting to. And, and I was just to another accountability partner. And I was just like shocked. I was floored. I couldn't believe what I was reading. And, um, and I came to him and approached him. I was like, is this true? Like, 
there's probably, there's no way of you getting out of this. It says your name. This is from yeah. you. Like, did you do these things in our marriage? And I think too, what was crazy is, um, I mean, yeah, I admitted to, it was one of the best things that ever happened was her finding these emails. I was in an accountability group online. And so I had a, 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 another person that was holding me accountable. And so I would open up with him and she found those emails of me confessing all the things I had ever done um, while we were married, which is absolutely insane. And that led to us reaching out to a pastor to get help. It, it led us uh, reaching out to some family friends who, were, you know, I mean, we had people that came to our house and sat with us and were physically there for a little while. It was actually just one one time there in our living room. And, uh, and I'm grateful that they did drive up and they spent time with us outside of a coffee shop in our living room. But again, they weren't willing to like walk with us in that journey to the extent that we really needed and the pastor's help was hurtful instead of helpful. That was when he had told me, um, and this was a person that was, you know, had led a lot of people and um, in a way was a, a, a pastor of a very large church and, uh, and told us that I needed, I needed to memorize scripture more, that my sword wasn't sharp and I needed to, and it just, again, a Bible answer. And he told Charity that the reason uh, that I was acting out was because she was not having enough sex with me. And that she needed to be more creative in the bedroom and do it more often. And, uh, and that you can imagine the damage that that brought. And if, and there was, and if I'm being totally honest, there was a part of me like, this is awesome because now my wife is going to do things I've seen in pornography and I'm going to have what's called addicted sex even more. She's going to do things that she wouldn't normally do out of her comfort zone. And I, and I was like, this is great. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad saying that because that's, but that's the honest truth is that I was excited to be more adventurous in the bedroom, which you can imagine only fueled my addiction because every time we had sex, it was something that we didn't normally do or something that I knew was uncomfortable for her. It only made me feel worse. I knew there was so much shame and guilt afterward. And then I would go to my addiction to solve that pain. And I can only imagine the pain that Cherry was going through, wondering why this isn't working as she's being more and more uncomfortable. And we are even more defiling the bedroom. So then we hid um, for two more years in shame because we're like, wow, this is, something's really wrong with us. If they gave us this advice, it's not working. Um, so we hid for two more years. Then discovery came out again. So we had D-Day twice um, and found out about it all happening again. And I was like, hey, we had our second child on the way. I was um, eight months pregnant. I looked at him and I said, I'm not bringing our second child into this. Like, they need their father. I know who you are. I know who you can be. Let me know if you're willing to be that person. And if you are, then let's go get serious help. And if you're not, then we will not be together. And, um, and we got serious help and, um, we went to go see some counselors and the counselors, um, it was an awesome opportunity because, um, denial broke for Clinton in that moment. And he saw things from a different perspective because she asked the question. Um, she said, Clinton, how does it feel knowing that you've been cheating on your wife this whole time? And he's like, well, technically, like I haven't been cheating on her. And she's like, okay, let me rephrase this. Look at your wife right now as I'm weeping. And he's, and she was like, how do you think your wife feels right now knowing that you've been cheating on her for four years? Yeah. Since you've married her. And he was like, crap. And he then started weeping and yeah, people don't call pornography cheating. And yeah, and we have, we, and we're, we're masked. Go ahead, Beaches. What were you going to say? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm just, I didn't, I'm just, you're in sorry. it. You're in the moment. I'm in you're, it. I'm like, yeah. yeah man. <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue. No, it's fantastic. No, it's good. We were on that couch. And I think what most people don't understand, especially I don't think wives understand, is that God gave us the ability as men to compartmentalize. So the, the man's brain is in boxes. So he has a thousand boxes and those boxes never touch. You picture those perfect cubbies that you moms probably make and you have all your storage bins and all your little kids crafts. And, 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 and that is what our brains look like. And so one box has the way that I cope with life is masturbation pornography. Another box is husband. And that's where we are good husbands. We know how to write good notes and we know how to be there and bring flowers and say loving things. Another box is parenting. Another box is our job. Another box is our long-term vision. Another box is our childhood. Another box is our childhood trauma. And these boxes never touch. And so the, when, when this, when this counselor said, you know, 
I want you to understand that those boxes aren't just touching. You grabbed this box is actually pouring into all these other boxes. You've grabbed, you don't get it that you have this issue in your life is a cancer and it, it cannot stay in a box. It is bleeding and infecting and disrupting every box. And the box that it is messing up the most is your wife. Your wife is going through trauma because of what you've done. And if you can't see that, your, your marriage won't make it. And in that moment, she did an amazing job at saying, how do you think your wife feels knowing that you've been cheating on her since she married you? And that immediately I had the understanding that me going to a strip club a week before I got married that me coming home and being married and then continuing the acts of pornography, masturbation, uh, websites with cameras of live people, um, strip clubs, massage parlors, those things were ruining our relationship and they were infecting it in a way that was perhaps maybe even beyond rectifying if I didn't change. And I had never understood the brokenness that charity had gone through. I'd never understood what was going on in me. And that, that was a turning point for me to say, I, I'm willing to do now whatever it takes for as long as it takes to get this out of my life. Not even for the sake of our marriage. Yes, of course I wanted to last, but I realized that I, I couldn't go on living like this. And that was when we talked about denial breaking and me coming, coming back into, into our town that we lived in and, and really going to, going to get help. But unfortunately, I'm sure you're going to share this. There wasn't a whole lot of help for charity. Um, yeah, I came home and I didn't realize the damage. I thought I was like, oh, well, if he gets fixed, like our marriage is going to be smooth sailing. Like we're going to be fine. Uh, but there was so much damage that was done, um, in our marriage, um, and me internally. I mean, even in our marriage bedroom, unfortunately, like it was just a disaster. We really had to, um, dig up really solid roots and start all over is what it felt like. And, um, I started internalizing all the pain, not realizing that I needed help. And I started losing a lot of hair, having really bad sciatic nerve pain. My memory was going. Um, I just had a, my drive for life was leaving. I was becoming really depressed, uh, lack of joy, and um, became really, really um, thin. Yeah. And because I thought it was the only thing that I could control in my life because my life was so out of control. that I was like, well, if I could just control me not eating, then I'm going to feel good about myself. And it was one day where my mom looked at me and she said, hey, um, you don't look good. And what's going on inside of your home? Like you, you need to talk to somebody. And I, I just weeped and weeped. And I looked at Clinton. I said, Clinton, like, I'm, I'm going to die. Like I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to end up in the hospital. I need help. My body's screaming out to me that I need help. And then that's when I started the, my own journey of um, healing and restoration and going and seeing a therapist and attending groups and programs and reading a lot of books and just getting really educated about what was actually happening and how I had had trauma and how Clint, just under even understanding his addiction helped me heal so much because it helped me realize it wasn't about me, that I could never fix him and that it was him and his problem. And realizing what happens to his brain, even when he looks at pornography from the time he views it to the end of masturbation and orgasm, just understanding allowed so much healing in my heart and gave me compassion for him. And when he started understanding betrayal trauma and what his addiction had plagued me with, um, it gave him so much empathy for me and my situation, why I now needed to create boundaries in our home that were never there. Why all of a sudden we are both having triggers. How can we both come alongside each other? Um, and it's not just him who's going through something. It's now me because it had affected me. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. As I'm hearing you guys speak, the um, question that comes up for each of you is, and you can answer it separately, is what would you say to the husband or the wife? Like Clinton, what would you say to that husband? Or, or even better, maybe reverse it, like you said, mm -hmm. you guys sometimes do. Um, so however you feel is appropriate, you can answer. What would you say either to that husband or to that wife who is hearing this right now or in a Facebook group going to, you know, see this when we, when we post it um, and, and they're now listening to this, what would you say to them if they're in the place, either they're struggling with pornography or they've found out, or they have suspicions that their husband might be doing this. How do they cope? Where, what do they do? Where do they go? 
<laughs> which one do you want to talk to? You go first. You guys which are so cute. Gonna, I wish I could. Which I got you want to talk to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm putting you on spot chair. Do go you ahead. Want me to do the girl or the guy? I, I'm not saying that. I want you to do whatever one you want to do. Oh, man. Okay. Good answer, husband. Good answer. Yeah, hey. Yeah, baby. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Man. I'll take that point. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, gosh. I feel like I want to talk to both of them. <laughs> talk to both. Go for it, babe. Um, I feel like I just want to say to the women that you deserve getting help. And it's not even help. It's just support. You know, like... Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, but I think just realizing how valuable a support network can be and that you don't have to carry these burdens alone. Like you can talk to other women and you'll realize you're not alone. Cause I, I remember feeling so alone. But then once I started opening up, it allowed different avenues um, and different paths that, that brought healing and bridged friendships that I never could exist because of similarities, just because I decided to open up and share my story and realize that there are so many other women there who had my similar story. And so I would just say, you know, open up and um, don't isolate and share your story because you're not alone and you're not doing anything wrong and you're worth the support. And um, for the guys, I would just say, do whatever you can um, to make your bride feel safe again. And not being defensive about it. You know, if she needs you to, you know, respond to a text message within five minutes. You know, it's not her being controlling. It's just she just wants to feel safe again. And you may have to do that for a little bit, but it's not going to be forever. Every action of saying yes to something that your bride is wanting you to do, whether that's, you know, um, having an app on your phone so that she can track where you're at. It's not for a control purpose. It's so that she feels safe. And you, those opportunities are opportunities to rebuild trust. Because people ask us all the time, how do we rebuild trust? And it's not just one act. It's multiple acts of saying, yes, I, into me, you see, means I'm going to know and see and love all of you and know everything that you're doing. There's no more secrets anymore in our relationship. And you're okay with that. And so it's saying, yeah, like I'm okay with you seeing that I went to Albertsons and then the coffee shop. You know, there's nothing wrong with that because I'm not hiding in secret anymore. And I want you to see everything that I do, not from a controlling perspective. She's doing it to bridge safety in her relationship with you again. And every time you say yes, it helps put that trust block on, on a foundation. And it, it just gets stronger and stronger. Every time that you say yes, it's not going to be forever. It's going to be temporary, but every time that you say yes, it's going to, it's going to confirm her safety in you. And then when she does have, let's say she has an app or something, you tell her you're going to Albertsons. She looks on the app. You did go to Albertsons. You came home trust, yep. you know, it's just one more, one more point, one more star, you know? And so just realizing like, it's not from a controlling perspective, it's from a safety. And that's what Clinton did so well. And he wasn't offensive. He didn't say, well, why do you have to do that? Why? You know, he, he realized he didn't have a right. He broke all of our trust, all of our safety. Everything was gone. If we wanted a new marriage, then we needed to implement new things. And that's why I believe we have the relationship that we do today. Wow. I love that. I just want to interject as you were speaking, what was coming up for me also was A for the wife. Um, it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying is you're not alone. And you were saying how you know you would do these things almost feeling like it was your fault. And it's like, ladies, don't don't blame yourself. It's not your fault. And you didn't do anything wrong. And then the other thing that came up for me when you were um, talking about the apps, and this is something that's come up in my marriage, because other people have looked at us like, oh, you track each other's location 24 seven. And it's like, yeah. Why? Don't you? I mean, it's just, yeah. it's so weird. And yeah. it's like, and I was a person who at one time was really had issues with control, right? And just like past traumas, issues with like feeling like my husband was trying to control me. But, mm -hmm. but you're right. Once you get to this place of there's no secrets in our marriage, like, mm -hmm. you know, it's almost like, why wouldn't I want to know where I am 24 yes. 7 I mean you know yeah. what I mean we like yes. we actually had a situation where I I passed out and I was sent to the hospital and I was on my way home from dinner oh, and he wow. couldn't find me at 3 a.m 
And it was like, thank God for that tracking app because he found it and found that I was in the hospital. They were afraid that, I mean, we live in New York City. They were afraid that I was kidnapped or, uh, you know, whatever. And so they were like searching for me, my whole family, you know, they were searching for me and thank God for that app. So it's like, I I say this to kind of emphasize your point of like, when there's no secrets in your marriage, that, or yeah. any, you know, there shouldn't be any secrets in it. No. So, you know, what is there? And yeah, we have separate bank accounts because sometimes I want to buy him a gift that I don't want him to know about. And like, you know, sometimes I have to be like, can you not track my every move so I can buy you a Christmas <laughs> gift or a birthday gift? But like, those are fun, you know, there's, right, there's a, a difference between surprises and secrets. Yeah. And that's really what came up that I just, I wanted to emphasize. And thank you so much for your vulnerability in that. And Clinton, Tell me, what do you have to say? That was amazing, Chair. Well, that was good. That was all good, man. That was all, all that was awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad that they found you. That is that is like crazy story. Yeah. We yeah. can talk about that sometime. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I love what you said, Chair. And I'll talk to uh, I'll talk to the men first. And I think to the men, I would say that working on getting free from addiction and free from sexual bondage. If you don't want to call it addiction, that's fine, right? It's a sexual struggle, bondage, uh, you know, whatever you want to label it as an issue, whatever. Getting, getting, finding freedom from that is the first goal. It has to be the first goal. It has to be the first thing that we do. But we have to also realize that doing that does not mean that our wives have to respond a certain way. That, we always say that sobriety doesn't equal intimacy. Yeah. Sobriety doesn't mean just because I'm sober for three months, I shouldn't expect her to go in the closet and put on a cheerleading outfit and go, you're my hero. Way to go. You're the best. Okay. Now we can move on with the rest of our life. And that's not going to happen. The reality is that what we did still caused pain and the actions that build intimacy and trust are entirely different than the actions that build freedom. And so there are there is a chapter one and a chapter two. There is a number one and number two. Number one is do whatever you got to do, do whatever it takes for as long as it takes to find freedom and longer stints of freedom. And at the same time, you have to do different actions to build trust with your wife and to rebuild what was lost. Now to the wives, unless you want to comment on that. No, no, I, I, go to, ahead. I want to hear. To the wives, I love to give space. <laughs> We do, we do, we do podcasting and sometimes I realize that we're the people that just like keep talking the whole time. And I'm like, I got to give Beatrice space here. Cause she got, she has wisdom. <laughs> so please to the wives, I would say that one of the best things and one of the most loving things charity ever did was say, if you don't change, I will divorce you. So leaving your husband. And I think that there is a healthy way to do that. That isn't really aroused in emotion and anger, but saying that right now, it's unsafe for me. It's unsafe for our kids. It's unhealthy for me to be with you. And I think that there are ways to have healthy separation. I think there are ways to put your foot down and say, if you don't change, I will have divorce papers drawn up, even getting them drawn up without signing them and saying, I want, you know, I, I mean this, this isn't me bluffing. This is me saying that for the sake of my health, for the sake of my kids, for the sake of my future, I will not put up with you continuing to go and and have infidelity in our relationship. Most men need that. And I think I want to tell the wives that, that they will, most men, unfortunately, we are, we are, I I won't say we, I was a manipulator. I was a liar. I was somebody that will do whatever it takes to get what I want. I'm selfish. And as long as I thought that charity was putting up with it, I wasn't going to really change. As long as I thought she was just so grace and so forgiving that she was going to allow me to keep doing it, I wasn't going to change. It was when she said, enough is enough. And I will not continue being married to you. You will not be a part of our kids' lives the way you have been until you get healing. Until I heard those things, I was going to continue to run to my addiction because charity was so full of grace and forgiveness that I could manipulate that in my own brain. So I think one of the most loving things a wife can do is say enough is enough. And, uh, and I'm going to figure out a way to live without you because, um, because it's healthy and it's safe for me and the kids and things like that. Okay. Wow. That's like mic drop done. <laughs> that was so good because it, it, there are a couple, and now I can comment. I wanted you to finish your thought uninterrupted, but the, the things there that were coming up is a, you said how, um, so full of grace and love that charity, like her behavior 
was so full of grace and love. And mm-hmm. that's what I, that's why it resonates with me for this show because that's, that's what I teach. Like, it's just so, it's simple, but it's, it's uh, a simple concept to hear, but it is very difficult to actually implement. It is yes. very difficult to like give grace to, you know, it was difficult for you to give grace to Clinton who didn't deserve it. Right. I mean, grace is something that is not deserved, but that is, it's, but God calls us to do that. And so having that gives him that space. And the other thing I thought was so important that you said was her putting her foot down. And so the boundary setting the boundary. And so I think sometimes as wives, we think, oh, you know, uh, oh my gosh, he wants to separate or, oh my gosh, you know, separation is, you know, it's, it's against God's word. And, and, and so I just have to sit here and suck it up. But no, the Bible doesn't say anything that there, that separation is a sin. It doesn't say that we're not allowed to set boundaries. It doesn't say any of that. Right. And so it's like, sometimes that you're right, Clint, like that is exactly what you need to do because you need to show for yourself as, as wives and as moms and whatever, we need to show that we have enough love and respect, not just for our husbands, but ourselves and our children. Yeah. And we need to say, I love you, babe, but this is a boundary that, yeah. that, I, that no longer can, yeah. can be crossed. And yep. that's so important. I, I think that's so key. I'm so excited about this conversation, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. <laughs> and you know, just to add what you said, Beatrice, and I think you know this, we know this, we just want to say this so it's on here, that there are healthy ways to separate. It doesn't have to be divorce. It can be, hey, we need to separate for a time. And in that time, I believe that, again, both the husbands and wives should be seeking the Lord and, and, and praying through it and seeking healthy guidance and healthy intimacy with the same sex, men to men, women to women, and find those people. But again, I think there's so many men that are in a program like I was that are, are getting there, that they're, that they're in a program that they're doing it just to look good to their wives. They're not mm-hmm. actually getting better. And and I think when I hear these guys complain that their wife is griping and mad and angry and he's like, but I, I, I mean, I went from, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like, I know I relapsed, but like, you know, she, I, I'm in the program and I'm like, dude, like maybe your wife should leave you, bro. Cause like, you're not, you're not actually doing the steps it takes to find freedom and you're justifying your continuous actions. And I get it. I was there and I'm going to call your BS, bro. I'm just going to be, I'm going to be loving to you to go, dude, you're not changing. You're not, you're not actually growing. What's your, are you actually getting better? And if you're not getting any better, like she doesn't have to put up with that. And they're always like, play you have my back, dude. I'm like, no, bro, I do have your back. It's the best thing for you to realize yeah, you can't right. get away with it. So yeah. yeah I just, there's a big difference between sin management versus transforming your life. Mm. And Ooh, yes, that's oh, what we're about. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're about. We are about like transforming your life. Cause that's what Christ does. That's what, that's what restored to more is has come from and where it was birthed from is we really believe that God is the God who wants to restore you and make you better than new. He wants to restore your relationship and make it better than new. He wants to have a different version of who you are in your relationship. And we believe that to the core. Like I believe that right when I found, not right after I found out infidelity, but God had taken me through a journey and he was like, Hey, this is just a chapter in your story you are going to have an incredible marriage. You know, if you lean into me, if you both get individual healing, um, let me restore your hearts. And, and we really, we believe that that's, that's where God wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be in groups and programs all the time. Is it going to take work? Yes. It's not going to be an overnight fix, but at the same time, he also has so much for you and your relationship and he wants to use your pain and turn it into purpose. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. And we believe that. We knew that he wanted to restore us and use our pain to go help and give hope to other people. Amen. Yes, I love that. Yes, amen. I wanted to give a vision as you were speaking. Um, it brought to mind a vision that God gave me when my husband walked out on me and I was like, Mm. Oh, well, I guess I'm going to be, I guess I'm going to find a new husband (laughs) and, and I'm going to give this vision for the listeners because I learned that in prophecy, if you hear something, you can claim it for yourself. And Mm. so mine has already been uh, 
it's already been given to me. So I've already claimed it. So I'm going to give it out to the listeners so they can claim it for them, themselves. And the vision God gave me was, uh, it wasn't about having a air quotes, new husband. It was a new husband, but it was the same man. Mm-hmm. And he was completely transformed. Yes. Uh, the husband that God gave me later. And yeah. as you were, even in the, the title of your, your, your ministry and your business restored to more that, that's kind of what brought that vision to memory again, how ladies and men, it is possible to have a new spouse, but the same one where you don't have to divorce. You don't have to commit adultery in God's eyes. God can take completely take them and change them. And they are the same person, but now that they've been completely transformed by God, they're, they're different. And then your marriage is like, Oh, it's night and day. It's life changing. It's just so different what you guys get to see. And I love that. And I love you guys. This has been so much fun. Now tell the listeners, how can they find you? Like, they're going to be like, oh my God, I love them. I I want to follow everything that they do. How can they find you? Okay. Um, yeah, so we have a website. Um, it's restored with the number two more.com. And, uh, we also have a weekly podcast restored with the number two more. And we do uh, weekly vlogs. So um, there's normally a topic that we want to share that's dear to our heart. And we share for like two or three minutes on a topic from the guy's perspective, my perspective, and then how we've come together on that topic. Um, we also uh, do one-on-one coaching and um, we have an Instagram, a Facebook, all of it is restored to more. So you can find us on all that. Our biggest vision is to come alongside people on their journey. The very thing, Beatrice, that you mentioned that I didn't have is what now we want. We realize that there are programs where women can have women and men can have men, but rarely does a couple have another couple. And it's our vision that we could just walk alongside other couples and can just be that soundboard. We don't always want to give answers and coaching and be that professional help. We just want to say, we get it. And we've been there and we want to be that. And we're praying that God helps more couples, you know, reach out to us, DM us, email us, go on our contact page so that we can just say, Hey, we're here for you. We're praying with you. And we want to walk with you in this season of restoration. Mm, I love that. I will be sharing all of that in the show. notes. I said, thank you so much guys. Oh my gosh. Thank, no, you. thank you. We're so st- we're like so stoked to be here and meeting you and your passion is, is like, so just, ah, oh, it's on fire and the honor is all ours. So we feel honored to be on your show, talking to your listeners, like, Seriously, this has been awesome. We're I'm like, very can grateful. Can we keep talking? Can we just <laughs> keep going? I feel like I could talk to you for hours. Thank you so much for having us. Hey, love. Thank you for listening to today's show. If you found any value in today's episode, it would mean the world to me if you left a five-star review and shared it with a friend or someone else who needed to hear this today. This is really the best way you can thank me. It helps me to get the word out to other women just like you. See you next week.